Okay, good morning. Um, we're following on in the series um, of Thank God It's Monday. Um, and our topic or title is All Work and No Pay. And we're really going to be talking to you this morning about what it's like to be a parent and be at home and have that um, be your work. So um, I'm Melanie, this is Philippa. We'll, we'll talk you through our work history and then we've got some things that we want to share with you. Um, shall I go first on work history? All right then. Uh, I was 16 when I got a Saturday job with Clark's Shoes. Um, I literally walked in off the street and walked up to the counter and said, do you have a job? And the woman behind the counter said, yes, can you start tomorrow? So that was a Friday, had no interview, no nothing, and began working for Clark's. Uh, when I was 18, I joined their management uh, training scheme alongside being an assistant manager in a, a large um, branch. At 21, I then managed my first shop and I got saved in that year as well. So I kind of feel like that was really significant to the place I worked and what God was doing in my life really. Uh, at 23, I went, decided I wanted to explore uh, what it meant to work for a local church. So at 23, I went voluntary part-time in a local church and just said, I'll give you two days a week and I'll do whatever you want me to do. At the same time, I worked alongside my area manager for Clarks and did whatever he wanted me to do. So I did lots of going into branches that were struggling or I worked a little bit in the training department. I did loads of different things, which was brilliant fun. At 24, I did FP, which was a year out where I met Stuart and the year after married Stuart. Um, and during that year I also did a couple of hours cleaning and a couple of hours looking after two little boys who were the wildest, most energetic little boys. They were four and six and I worked with them a few hours a week and I, I now know that God was training me for two of my own little wild boys. Um, at 25 I um, decided I wanted to definitely go into youth work and work for a local church and so I took a year just working as a learning support assistant in a secondary school and then I started full-time work in a church um, as the youth worker but I also planned parties, did a little bit of preaching and I did that for 12 years and now I'm a mummy and a church planter. That's me. Okay, I was raised in a Christian home and started out in an Anglican church, so as all good Anglican kids do, my first job was as the Saturday girl in a Christian bookshop, which was lots of fun. Um, uh, so yeah, I did that for a couple of years while I was at school. I then went to uni and um, studied to be a teacher, and throughout that time I had loads of temping jobs. I worked in pretty grotty kitchens, I peeled potatoes, I worked with fairly foul-mouthed chefs for a long time, um, and learnt a lot about life then. Um, I also had a job waitressing for quite a long time, and I did that in all my holiday uh, time while I was at uni. I then graduated and worked as a primary teacher in a school in Essex for... How long did I do that? Six years, full-time. Um, and then I got pregnant with Delta, so I had maternity leave for a year. And after that year, I decided I actually did want to go back to work. Um, so I went back two days a week, um, and I did that for a year. And during that year, we moved up here. So I was commuting back to Essex um, once a week uh, for a term. 
And I, so I was teaching two days, mum three days, and I have to say, during that year, I absolutely hated it. I was awful. I was a bad teacher. I was a bad mum. This is how I felt, because I c I'm not very good at multitasking like that. I like to focus my efforts on one thing. And I knew, really, that I wanted to be a full-time mum. But I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I tried it, and I knew what it was like to work part-time and to be a mum part-time, because I know that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so when we moved up here, Matt and I decided between us to uh, make the decision that I would go full-time as a mum, which I absolutely love, and um, it's really fun. I had a mum who, who was full-time for me when we were younger, and I loved it. I loved that she was there to pick me up from school, so I wanted to do the same for my kids, and I'm really grateful that we can do that. Um, I'm now trying also to start a bit of a business on the side, so I'm a full-time mum, plus doing a bit of church planting, plus um, trying to get this business up and running, kind of a designy business, so at the minute, my life's somewhat manic, um, but it's good fun. We're getting there. <laughs> we wanted to give you some reasons to listen to this because I know sitting in the room there'll be people already thinking, man, I should have taken this Sunday as my week off. Um, and you might be thinking, actually, I can't imagine how this has got anything to do with me. So we're just going to give you some reasons why you should listen. So firstly, you are a parent in this room and you will find this honest, encouraging and helpful. Secondly, you want to be a parent and you will find this honest, encouraging and helpful. You're in a life group or you're in a church with young families and you'll be able to better understand the lives of the people around you, therefore better serve them. You do a job or you serve with children and young families. And then lastly, for some of you, this subject is painful so in a room this size there will be people who want to have children and can't have them or have had children die early in the womb or early in years and there will be some here who are desperate for children and they're trying but nothing is happening and I want to ask you and and if you're listening online really want to ask you um, with all kindness and all humility to listen and allow God to do something in your heart this morning. I, I firmly believe that God still has stuff to say to you too. Okay, so full-time parenting. Being a full-time parent is the most difficult, stressful, frustrating, amazing, fulfilling, easiest, most fun job I've ever, ever had and I absolutely love it. I think society's view of full-time parenting is a bit of a weird one. It's changed quite a lot over the years. If you think back to like the 40s and 50s, you've got the traditional housewife. Um, they'd get married, they'd have kids, they'd stay at home. There was no question, really, that you would be the mum would be at home raising the kids while the dad went to work. And um, throughout the years, throughout the decades, that's changed quite a lot. Um, women have fought for equality with men in the workplace. They've got equality with men in the workplace. A woman's career is as big a deal as a man's career. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's really, really great. And I definitely think women should be considered equal to men in the workplace. But the downside to that is as the role of a woman's career has become more important, the role of a woman as a full-time mum has somewhat diminished. And I do think it can often be seen as like a second-rate option or it's the option that people take if they don't really fancy going back to work or it's a little bit lazy. Um, and, yeah, I do think that there, is, there has been bad press about it. It's often seen as a second-rate choice and not a real job. Um, I've had someone say to me, uh, when are you going to stop sponging off your husband, go back to work, get a real job and start contributing to society again? And I have to say, when they first said that to me, initially I was quite upset, and then pretty soon that upset 
sadness turned to stroppiness and anger because I thought, I don't agree with that. The reason I'm a full-time mum is not because I'm lazy. It's not because I don't want to work. It's not because I think it's totally fine to sit at home and do nothing while your husband goes to work and provides for you. I do it because I passionately, passionately believe it's what is best for my children. And Matt and I, between the two of us, have decided for our family that is what we want to do. And we want me to be able to stay at home and to raise our kids. I think raising my kids is the most significant contribution that I can make to society. If you think about famous people, what if Mozart's parents had never bought him a piano? What if Picasso's parents had never shown him how to hold a paintbrush? What if David Beckham's parents had never taken him to football lessons? We do so much for our kids, and they will impact society, and we will too. But I think it's a really, really valuable role within society to raise your kids. And I genuine, genuinely believe that even up until the day I retire, it will still be the most important job that's written on my CV. So when you think about being a full-time mum as a job, what is the job description of a mum? Well, we believe that it is to show your kids what God is like by the way you think, speak, act, and love them. I'm gonna, This will be the only time you open your Bibles, so relish it, all right? Get a Bible. <laughs> And I'm going to take you right to the beginning of the book in Genesis. So if you turn to Genesis 1, 28. And you'll find there, just, I'm just going to basically summarize it as a one-liner. Basically, God said, go forth and multiply that's it, really. That's all I'm going to read, all right? Okay? So now, no. Um, children basically are in the created order. And, and I, I know, I don't want to treat you like you're dummies in the room, but basically, in order for life to go on, people must have children. Otherwise, we will die out as a race. And I think from the beginning of time, God put something in place so that people could recreate, so that people could multiply, so that the earth could be filled, so that he could have a people for himself, so that we could understand what it means to create and be creative, so that we could understand something about uh, the mystery and the, like it's a complete miracle that children are ever conceived and born. It's, it's incredible. So it's in the created order. The Bible says that children are a gift and a blessing. They don't always look like that. It's like the kind of gift sometimes that you get that you think, what on earth were you thinking? It's that kind of gift. I, I think one of my favourite preachers uh, often describes them as some kind of disgusting miracle. And they really are. They're incredible. Stuart came up to me just a minute ago and he said, could you just deal with this on my top? And Asher has wiped something down him. I don't know what it is, so we just get a wet wipe and sort it out. They're incredible and they're a gift and a blessing sometimes don't always look like it. They are essential for life to go on. Having kids in the Bible is done in all sorts of ways and, and I find this bit really encouraging. So you can have a very narrow view of parenting that it means, um, you know, I find Prince Charming, we get married, we have babies together. That Actually, the Bible says there's all sorts of ways of having kids. So you can have your own. There, in the Bible, there's various accounts of people using surrogates, adoption, step-families. So Jesus himself was raised by a man who was not his biological father. Jesus himself was part of a step-family. There's accounts of widows raising sons, so there are single mums in the Bible. 
there are lots of accounts of kind of spiritual mums and dads who invest in people or take an interest in people in the Bible. So you look at Paul's relationship with Timothy and he played the role of a spiritual father. It seems that there are many ways to parent. And so when we're talking about parenting, we're talking about a broad um, spectrum. And when you're thinking about parenting, we need to be thinking broader. Children were loved by Jesus. So the disciples were like, get the kids away from this important man. Jesus was like, let them come to me. Children are healed by Jesus and set free by Jesus. So he doesn't consider them people who are not worthwhile investing in or having miracles of their own. Um, They are often called by God as well in the Bible young. So you'll hear a lot of the the stories where you think, man, Samuel was young, David was young. They're, They're often young men or young women that are called by God. So we're not to limit them really. In real life kids, we we believe that children are a gift, a priority and a blessing and we behave like that. But in this church, that's what we believe too. Okay, we're going to do it a little bit differently this morning, now you've heard our introduction. Um, And for this, we're going to need a glamorous assistant. Do we have any volunteers, or shall we just pick? Who do you think looks most glamorous? Dan, Dan, well volunteered. It's amazing to throw your voice like that. Okay. You need to take the Mike the Night hat round and um, offer... One person gets to choose a question and a roll of sweeties that they can share with their row, okay? We'd like you, if you um, take a question, to just pop up the front and read it out for us. You do get a roll of sweeties for it, all right? So, Dan, pick pick your person. Oh. Your row has only got like... Dan, are you on the same row as John? (laughs) There are no flies on you, are there? We're just... No, just wait. We're doing one at a time. You can sit down, Dan. Don't eat all the sweets, all right? Is it the longest question in the world? Sorry. Read Some it of them as a are essays. Point, right. okay. Are you ready? Okay, your job looks like it's full of fun, very flexible. There's no boss and no formal feedback, which at times must be hard. You must fail, you must fail regularly and also have the most amazing successes. There's no pay or pension. No weekly, no weekly day off, but plenty of movies and popcorn. There's no holiday from it, and even very, and very little sleep. Who helps you make all this work? Okay, um, being a mum, you need to have people around you. Obviously, if you have a husband, that is excellent because you've got someone there all the time, but obviously not all mums do. So it's really important to have people around you, have friends around you, family around you. You need it. You can't do it on your own. It's too hard. So I would say if you are married, if you have a husband, put him first. Um, This is really hard to do when you have kids um, because they just consume your life. They do. If you've had kids, you will know. But you have to put your marriage first. So many marriages end when children leave home because the parents have put the children in higher priority than their own marriage. I was reading some stats last night and it was quite shocking that the highest... Um, divorce rate in our country at the moment is amongst the 50s to 60s, that kind of age bracket. And it's just because, well, for many reasons, I'd imagine, but one of them because kids have come in and they've taken such a high place in our lives that we forget to work on our marriages. And it really, really is um, imperative that you do. Um, 
I remember that my mum used to say to me that she loved dad more than me. And I have to say, as a kid, I never really got it. She always told me she loved me loads. Don't get that wrong. But she used to say she loved dad more. And now I get it, but I didn't really at the time. Um, so we make a point. We do tell our kids, that actually, we love you really, really, really loads. But I do love daddy more than you. He comes first. He is my main priority after God. And when Matt comes home from work, he makes a thing of he, gives, he kisses me first. Then he goes and gives the kids a hug. And they know that, actually, our relationship is really important and really solid and that is vital um, and the you need to do this I think sorry you, when I say you mums need to do this I'm as guilty as any mum it is quite tricky sometimes as the mum to put the husband first because your kids are there all the time you love your kids to bits if you've got them they are amazing and it's really easy to let them take pride of place but it's vital that your husband comes first so prioritize date night even if you don't manage to go out, which when you have kids that does become trickier, do try and have a date night, it's vital. If we don't have a date night, we basically get in a strop with each other quite easily, so it's vital that you do have that. There are loads of people in real life church who don't have kids and who would love to babysit for those who do. <laughs> so do ask them. If you are someone who doesn't have kids and you are a little bit freer socially, please do offer to babysit for couples who do have them. It, when you have your own children, you'll understand just how amazing it is when someone offers you a babysitting night. Um, dads, step up and help the mums out. When I say mums is a full-time job, it's not 24 hours a day, seven days a week, completely on your own. When the dads are home for work, that is their time to share it with you. Um, so dads, do step up. I think the dads here are amazing. I've seen so many awesome dads, and to be honest, I don't know many in amongst our friends outside of church as well who aren't fantastic. They help the mums out doing loads of things, so they help them with the bathing, the feeding, the nappy changing, the taking the kids out to the park so that the mums can have a bit of a break, give the mums a little bit of a lie-in. It's brilliant. It's different to long ago. Dads weren't as involved many, many years ago. They are now, and they should be, and it's fantastic that they are. I think the relationship between dads and their kids is brilliant. The flip side of dads stepping up to help is that mums, we have to let them. <laughs> it's really hard to do it, trust me, I know. But when it's dad's time with the kids, let dad have time with the kids. Don't keep stepping in and trying to take over, which is so hard, I know. I kind of liken it to if I was ever to go into Matt's office and take over his job, he would really struggle to let me do that. So I find personally it's much easier if I actually get out of the house while he's having time with the kids. Um, so yeah, and uh, another thing with the dads, sorry, I'm focusing a lot on dads here. Um, if you don't have kids yet, or even if you're not married yet, I would say look at making career choices that will enable you to be able to do that in the future. Um, one thing I'm really grateful, grateful for, Matt's an amazing husband, an amazing dad. I am going to big him up because he's really good. Um, but we decided years ago that we wanted to have children. And in order for me to go full time, which is something we knew was fairly likely he would want to do, he started to make career choices. He started to look for promotions to get a bit more money behind us so that we would have a little bit of a buffer. When we lost my salary, we wouldn't completely fall flat. Um, so if you are in a position where you're not yet married and not yet, or don't yet have kids, it's a great time to start doing that. It's fantastic. So I would say do that. And the final thing, work together on your parenting. If you are in a relationship, if you're with your husband or your wife, work together. Don't cut each other down in front of the children. Don't um, one of you take over or contradict each other in front of the kids. Kids are clever. If they know you're not on the same page, they will jump right in there and they will make the most of it. Trust me. They know. They're good. Um, we've had to work on this. It's taken us how old is Delta? About four years to kind of gradually work on this and work out how to work together so that we parent our children together. Um, I think I, I'm going to say yes and amen to all of that. I think I, I 
want to add in, um, choose your friends carefully. Make sure the voices that um, are continually around you are good ones. Um, make sure they're, they're, yeah, they're good voices in your life and they're encouraging you to make good choices and, and to do good things. And I would say, try and say, yes, I, I made a deal with God a while back. And, and I, I sometimes get this right and I sometimes get this wrong. To say yes as much as I possibly can to offers of help. And assume that if someone has offered to help you, they have processed it in their own family. Don't do it for them. So assume that if someone says, I would like to help you. So a classic example for me lately, I'll embarrass you, Sarah, because quite frankly... I think you're amazing, is um, Sarah offered to cook for me. Immediately, I thought to myself, she has two young children, like she has her own family, and I started processing it like that, and I felt God speak to me and say, I thought we had a deal. I thought you were going to allow people to process their own families themselves, and you were going to process yours. And actually, someone cooking a meal for me is me personally as a mummy like the best thing in the world you can do for me and so I said yes so it, it's, it's saying yes I think to offers of help and allowing other people to process that in their own families um, and eating their yummy lasagna or their chicken or if Sarah Brewer ever offers to cook for you just say yes alright that's, that's the lesson here okay <laughs> next question or have you got more next question What are the best books you have read on parenting? Okay, uh, I like this book. I would say with all Christian books, you have to read it with your eyes wide open and you have to pick out the treasures and ditch the rubbish. And you have to do that yourself. So everybody takes different things out of it. I thought this book was super, so it's called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. Can I be honest, there's some rubbish in it too. Sorry, Danny Silk, sorry. Not that you'll be listening to me, but sorry. There's some stuff I really liked in it, some real treasures that I'm going to pull out and I'm going to put into my family's life. Just some amazing things that changed my mind about parenting and kids' work, to be honest. So if you're a teacher or a kids' worker, you should read this awesome book. So love it. That's my best one. Uh, my first one is this one, the parenting book by Nikki and Silla Lee. Um, if anyone's done the marriage course or read the marriage book, that's excellent. This is just as good for the next phase of life. It's really fab. They do a course on it at HTB. This is the book from it. It's full of fantastic practical advice as well as kind of um, just good things and values to sort of put into your kids and things to help you work out as you're becoming parents. Fab book and dead easy to read. Uh, this one, Raising Boys, if you have a son, ever get a son, you better get this book. If you have a husband, if you spend any time with men, I tell you what, this book will help you better understand the men around you. It, it takes you through from kind of naught up into their teens. As I read it, I was going, oh, that's why Stuart does that and I do, oh no, that's why, oh no. So brilliant little book, easy to read. The guy's a child psychologist. He's also a Christian. He's not overtly Christian in this and in fact he never says it hardly anywhere. I had to search hard to find out that he was one. But he's a child psychologist and a Christian. Excellent. Raising girls. <laughs> 
If you have a boy, that book's great. If you have two boys, you can just read the same book. Unfortunately, if you're blessed with one of each, you have to buy both, and they don't do buy one, get one free on Amazon. But this book is excellent. It's written by a friend of um, Steve Biddulph, who wrote the Raising Boys one. Same thing, loads of fab stuff, very specific to girls. Uh, Super Nanny is my personal favourite. I just love her. I know she's bossy and obnoxious and sorry, Joe Pros, if you're listening. Um, I love her on TV and her books. She's brilliant. Very down to earth, very bossy. Tells you exactly what you should do and shouldn't do. Again, pick out the treasures, but so useful. Uh, so I think useful if you're raising kids or around kids particularly useful if you want to understand things like how to do time out, how to deal with nighttime wakers and, and all those kind of things. Brilliant. Okay, um, baby books. There are so many books out there. If you're having a baby or you've just had one, you'll probably know there's loads. Um, two that we read. I'm going to get two. Sorry, I'm sneaking two in there. The Baby Whisperer. Really, really good. And... Gina Ford's. Now, I know I'm going to get shot down by most of the population for saying Gina Ford's amazing, but Gina Ford's amazing. Um, these books take quite different approaches to saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. So basically, it's really good for whatever approach you take, whether you like a slightly more softly approach, whether you like being completely bossed around and told exactly what to do, but they both say the same thing and they're excellent. So again, pick the one that works for you. We picked one each. We didn't go with the same book. Pick the one that works for you and go with it. They're great. Uh, this is my last one. Um, Steve Badouf, the same guy who wrote Raising Boys. This is lovely. I don't normally recommend a book that I've not finished. I'm only halfway through this book, but I am just loving it. It's called The Complete Secrets of Happy Children. And this would be useful if you spend any time with children, full stop, the end. Just lovely values, uh, lovely ways of um, helping you understand your role with kids. So if you're a kids worker, a teacher, a parent, if you go near my kids, could you read this? book please that'd be great thank you okay last one this is for the dads um the 60 minute father rob parsons it's ancient this book has been around for a million years and it's fantastic the reason it's still going is because it is really good i think it's the one book was it matt that you read all the way through can you see the thickness of it so it's really good for dads um i would say on that point dads please do read some books if you can't read the whole thing get your wife to pick out chapters for you and say look read this i've literally like opened the book up and said read this section and sometimes it's gone down well sometimes not so much but if you do that you're on the same page and it makes parenting so much easier 60 minute father john no. <laughs> Are you ready now to be a dad? Yes. Tick. Yeah, do it. Like amazing. <laughs> if you're pregnant, do it on maternity leave. Yeah. After that, you do it in 30-second chunks here and there, wherever you can yeah. before falling seriously before falling asleep. So whenever you can. <laughs> I read every night before I go to bed, I read something, be it novel, be it something like this, every night before I go to bed. So that's how I get my reading done. The, most of these books are brilliant because you can dip in and out of them, so you don't have to sit and... It's not like reading War and Peace. You can just sort of pick out bits that really suit you, so dip in. That's, I think they write them for that reason. Yes, honey? Yes, man at the back.
Yeah, cheetah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil could write like the equivalent of the York's notes, couldn't she, for these? And you could just read a summary in her spare time. Okay, Dan, next question. Oh. I'm interested in the sweets people choose. So the front row like wine gums. You like munchies. Man after my own heart. Chocolate all the way. The Bible doesn't seem to say much about parenting. Is there a blueprint for family life? Okay. Um, I would say um, if you've got kids or you're having kids, I would say decide what kind of family you want before God and make use of what's on offer around you, but don't let it dictate to you what it must look like. So I think before we had kids, Stuart and I sat down and we wrote what we call our family page and we just dumped down everything that we thought if we ever have kids, this is what we would like it to look like. When we had kids, we revisited it. We revisit it probably every year. We call it our family page. And it's basically got all the things down that, that we feel about family, that we want to see based on what we know about God, based on what we know about each other. And we weigh and measure the things that are on offer around us. So society offers your kids uh, 15 hours a week nursery care when they hit three because the government would like you to go back to work. So we look at that, weigh it, measure it, and work out, does this fit with our family? Is this useful? And we've used some of it because we think it's useful and fits with our family. So that would be one example where Stuart and I took a step back and said, okay, this is what's on offer for us. We'll take a step back, we'll put it in our family context, we'll talk about it, discuss it, and then we'll work out what's best for our family, what's best for our kids. And that's the way we do family life. We, we always take a step back, look at it in the context of our family. So if people offer us help, if we would always take a step back and put it in our family and say, okay, how would we make this work together? And I would say, um, because there are no blueprints, because there is no, you should do it this way or that way, you have to get very comfortable with making decisions that not everybody will understand. You just have to get comfy with it. Just have to go, all right, so I know some of the things I do, people look at me and think I'm a bit of a lunatic. And, and I have to just be comfy with that. I, just, I know people look at me and think, how you parent Levi and Asher, I would never do that. And that's fine. I sometimes look at other people and think exactly the same. You have to get comfortable with other people looking on and thinking, that is not how I would do it. You just have to get cosy in your own skin and your own choices before God. So that's what we do. We have a family page, we discuss everything, and we get comfortable with people not always understanding us or thinking we've got it right. You wait till my boys are men. We'll see. <laughs> I'd say make sure you run your own family unit. Um, relatives, friends, grandparents, they are brilliant and they are essential to have around you if you can. Um, but no one parents your kids but you. Okay, they don't take your position. You are the parents. You need to stand with your partner before God and make decisions, like Mel said, as to how to raise your family. Um, so I would say talk to your partner, your husband, your wife. Make sure you know what matters to both of you and build this, your family around this. Um, look at other families. Copy the good bits. I'd pick up so much stuff from other parents, other families, and think, wow, that's amazing. They, that's a fantastic idea from little tiny practical things right the way through to great big um, values. Equally, look at other families and 
decide what you don't want to do and sort of think, actually, not, not going to take that one home to our household, but, you know, look at the good bits, pick out the good stuff. Do read the books, they are brilliant, you'll pick up so much stuff. I always find if we're going down a bit of a road where I just don't know what I'm doing, if I go back to some books, quite often there's help in there, it's vital. Um, build family traditions, as you said. Um, we have like Film Friday on a Friday afternoon. We have Daddy Date Saturday. We do lots of little things like that, um, and I love it. So that's really good fun. Spend lots of quality time with your kids on your own as well as together. Like I said, we have Daddy Date Saturday. So Matt takes the kids practically every Saturday morning and has them, which is brilliant. I get to do some other stuff. Um, I like taking Delta out. We have girl time. We go to Starbucks and we do things like that, which is really fun. And Matt takes Blue out. And we equally have time as a four, which is brilliant. Love it together. Eat, as much, eat together as much as you can. Um, family meals are great. It's not easy, and it's not going to happen every day, and I'm not professing to say that we do it every single day. We absolutely don't. But where you can, it's a great place for them to chat and to open up and to tell you about their day, especially as they get older. We learn a lot about what Delta's done at nursery the day before when we have dinner. Um, that's really fun. And dads, if you can, Matt tries to get home from work twice a week to have dinner with us, and then we'll try and do it again at the weekends. So max, it's probably only three times a week. But it's great, really good. And spend as much quality time with your kids as you can. Um, I was listening to a Mars Hill preach, and they were saying, a lot of people say it's not about the, qu uh, the quantity, it's about the quality. And he was saying, but you don't know when the quality is going to come. So spend as much time with your kids enjoying them. They grow up so, so fast. I know everyone says it. If you've got older kids, you will agree. They grow up crazily fast. Spend all that time with your kids. It's fantastic time. Next, please, Dan. <laughs> Isn't he doing a great job? What a brilliant trolley. Yeah, let's give him a clap. Yeah. Dan, <laughs> our beautiful assistant. Well done, <laughs> What's the key to successful parenting? Oh, I'm glad you asked that, Chet. Because if you haven't heard it before, we've got it all sewn up here. Go on, Phil. A relationship with Jesus. <laughs> it is. I don't know how people parent. I don't know how they stay married. I don't know how people do anything without God. I am so grateful that he saved me and I've got him in my life because seriously, wouldn't be able to do it without him. It's by God's grace that we are still married. It's by God's grace that my kids are still around and that I'm still sane-ish. Um, so it's absolutely vital. I think all parenting flows out of where our heart is at with Jesus. When I'm on track with God, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm chatting to him, and when I'm hearing from him, I am a much better mum. I'm a much better wife. I'm more patient, more fun, more godly in how I treat my kids. When I've not read my Bible for a while, when I've not spoken to God, I'm horrible, seriously. <laughs> my kids don't like me very much when I'm in that place. Um, but it's really essential. You, I just don't know how people do it without Jesus. Um, and I would say, really be in Christ. Don't just teach it, live it. Don't expect your kids just to come to church on a Sunday. The kids' workers teach them about God and that's it, you're done. Live it. Make sure that Jesus is first in your life and tell, him, tell your kids about it and live it out to them. Um, so I had three friends I was at primary school with and we used to meet together and we'd kind of read the Bible sometimes. We'd talk about God and all that. But their parents weren't really saved. They'd go to church every now and again and they, we went to a Christian C of E school. Um, and, but they didn't really live it. And none of those girls now at all are going for God. They're nowhere with God at all. But I am because mine were the only parents who genuinely lived it, genuinely loved God and lived it out. And they preached it through what they did and how they raised us. So I would say you've got to really be in Christ. Work on your relationship with God. It will flow out through to your kids. Yeah. 
Um, just a few little practical things. Uh, I would say <coughs> be flexible. So as they change, you change. So Levi used to nap for two and a half hours. Awesome. Middle of the day, I could have a big chunk of time out with God. And then he stopped napping. And then I had a second boy who really struggled to learn how to nap and took a good amount of time to, and is still learning, how to nap and how to sleep. So then that ceases to become the place where I can do my relationship with Jesus. And it's, I, for me, I just don't think it's enough of an excuse to be like, oh, well, you know, I used to do it over nap time and now they don't have a nap. So now I can't find my Bible and I don't know who Jesus is. It's not a good enough excuse. When they change, we need to change. So you have to be adaptable. I would say get hold of a Bible that's portable. Sometimes on my iPhone, wherever I am, my iPhone is with me. Therefore, my Bible is with me. So if I suddenly find myself with 10 minutes, I can go cha-ching and just get get a bit of Jesus. I pray as I go. I, I literally, I don't have big chunks of prayer time where I sit down and get really focused in on Jesus. I, I do it as I go along. I, I've got a journal on my iPhone. I, I jot stuff down. So my relationship with Jesus looks a little bit different. Now, it generally has someone climbing on me saying, can I play Angry Birds on your phone while I'm trying to read my Bible? That, that is more what my oasis looks like now. It now has two little hands in there grabbing at my phone. My hair this morning, I was reading my Bible and Levi is shoving toys down my top. So at the end of it, I kind of have to shake my top and out falls a car, a cuddly thing. And, you know, that's, that's what it looks like now. And, and I, you just adapt and smile and laugh and get on with it. Next question. What is the hardest thing about being a mummy? Uh, I, I can answer this without even finding it on my notes. It is the most selfless thing I have ever done in my entire life. And my, the preacher I like to listen to, he'll say that when you get married, God deals with a level of selfishness in you that you did not know existed. When you have kids, he deals with all the rest. And, and I would say that feels about right. It is the most selfless thing I have ever done. It is a daily giving of yourself and having someone else's life order your life it, it's it's so selfless and i think uh, quite honestly the days when i struggle is because i'm selfish and i just want to get dressed when i want to get dressed go out when i want to get go out spend more than 10 minutes in starbucks want to you know it's just because i, I want to do things that don't actually fit with having two high energy boys so, yeah, it's the most selfless thing I've ever done. I put that exact same thing down, <laughs> same example. Um, I would also say, for me, the change in your identity was a big one, um, which I never thought it would be, and I would certainly never have said I was someone who would have got my self-worth or found my identity in work, never. I'm not a career person. When I had a job... Uh, that was paid. I worked really hard. I do that. My parents instilled that in us. You have a good work ethic. You work hard. And I did. And I did my best at my job. But it was never something that shaped me. However, when I became just a mum, um, 
it really, yeah, it kind of hit me a little bit how much I felt my identity had changed. And I think when people say to you, one of the things people say when they meet you is, oh, hi, what's your name? What do you do? And if I was like, I'm a teacher, they're like, oh, brilliant. Okay, that's good. And now it's, I'm a mum. Like, oh, what did you used to do? And you're like, right, okay. So you are very much kind of shaped by what you do. And I think that comes back to the full-time mum thing, not really being seen as a valid job all the time. So I've struggled with my identity changing a little bit, and I've had to realise that being a full-time mum is an amazing job. I've had to find my identity more in God. That is something I always struggle with, I'll be honest. Um, not get my approval from other people. Again, something I've always struggled with, but from God and from the truth he's spoken over me. Um, and I would say the other thing that's been really difficult is church and serving with kids. Uh, Matt and I have led worship for ages. We've done it more recently in the last few years together. I love leading with Matt. I think it's really fun. People have said there's, more of a, there's an anointing on us when we do it together, and I really enjoy it. That became trickier when we had Delta, but then we kind of got around it. became a lot trickier when we had Blue, and now it's nigh on impossible. So we've had to make changes, practical changes this term, because um, even though there are amazing people in this church who have our kids on a Sunday, thank you so much, by the way, we massively appreciate you, um, we just can't do it, it doesn't work. So if the kids are ill, or if something's going on with them, or they're screaming bloody murder outside because they're just going nuts, it's me that has to step down. So Matt can keep leading, mainly because I was naughty and didn't keep practicing the piano, so I can't lead on an instrument at the moment. But it's Matt that gets to keep leading the worship, and it's me that steps down, and that's rubbish. I really find that quite difficult. Next question. How many have we got left, Dan? Three? Whoa. Going to have to speed it up. Oh, yeah, of course you will. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before. I share the kids' Easter eggs. <laughs> I have a friend who's just about to become a mum and I want to help her. What can I do? Um, buy her presents, buy her chocolate. When she's had the baby, buy her wine, buy her chocolate, buy her more wine, buy her more chocolate. <laughs> presents work for me. They're always fantastic. As mum, um, as mum, sorry, as Mel said, um, cooking... <laughs> you get used to that, the same identity um presents and cooking meals things like that they really are so such a big deal really really is yeah uh we um we posted on facebook i mean where do you go if you want the answer to life's questions facebook so on facebook i wrote um if you're a mummy or a new mummy what would you find most helpful i'll read you out the list babysitting Babysitting, 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 babysitting. Uh, cook for me. That's mine. Cook for me. Have you heard that, church? Mine's babysitting. Cook for me. Babysitting, cook for me. Um, encourage them. So loads of the mummies said, we just don't get any feedback. So if people don't say to us, you're doing a good job, we don't hear that. Uh, love their kids, even when they're not doing the things they should be doing. So I love having people around me who just love my boys. Like who don't look at them disapprovingly or notice every time they do something wrong, which, you know, is, is a fair old amount of times. I love the people that overlook it. And I love the people that come up to me and say, man, your boys are so special, so amazing. I saw them do... Oh, just love it. So helpful. And I want to remind you that your God loves you even when you're not doing as you're told and you are misbehaving. I want to remind you that time and time again you fail and he lets you come back. And he never once gives you that look of, oh, right, you again, is it? He always says, come in, welcome, 
and, and loves us like nothing else. Like, it's a love that is totally life-changing. That's what our kids need. And uh, that's what my boys need. That's what the kids in real life church need. They need people who love them like nothing else. And, and it, it, it's life-altering. Pray for their kids. So if people tell me they've been praying for me or my kids, I just love it. And ask the question, what can I do for you today? Because often what you think a person needs isn't what they need. So I've been so grateful to have people text me and say, what can I do for you? Because actually, the things that bless me... So, for example, I cannot imagine anything worse than someone coming and cleaning my house. I, I, like, literally, the thought of it makes me just want to pass out. Someone cooking for me, I just want to kiss that person. Like, I will love that person forever. And, and that's because of how I'm wired up. I'm not that fussed about babysitting. I, we will go out. And, and I'm not... Cook for me, man. You got my heart. That's, so ask. Ask the question, what can I do for you today? I would also just add to that. Um, look out especially for brand new mums. Becoming a mum, especially for the first time, is a massively life-changing experience, as some are going to find out soon. Um, it's amazing. It really is. But it's also really, really difficult at times. It really is. So I would say look out for mums, especially who um, are brand new. They've just got brand new babies. Um, postnatal depression is something that's a big deal. And I just think, as Christians, we cope. We're taught to cope. We're like, no, no, I'm fine. As British Christians, we really cope. Um, we don't let people come in and help us. So just look out for people. If they're always telling you they're fine, barge into their house every now and again and just say, are you really okay? I brought you around some chocolate. Okay, it's a big deal, and it's, it, it goes on with a lot of people. And to be honest, probably the people you wouldn't notice. So just make sure everyone who's a new mum, look out for them. It, it means a lot. Next question, Dan. Oh, he's venturing up the back into sofa land. Oh, my. <laughs> In your few years of doing this, what are the lessons that you've learned about parenting? Right, you get your pens ready because we are going to whiz through this. So, uh, it's well, we're probably going to overlap as well. Is that right? We'll just repeat each other. It's best to raise your kids to know Jesus and not just be obedient. Uh, love them outrageously and connect with their little hearts. You want to love them like God loves us and it is outrageous love. Kids love to be encouraged. You tell a kid they're doing well like they grow a couple of inches. Kids want your time and they don't really care about quality time. They want loads of time and they want it doing the most menial rubbish things. They want all your time. They are not interested in quality time. Kids love to learn. They love to experience things. So Levi now makes his own lunch. He just loves it. It is ridiculous, the mess but he loves it. They work best with clear boundaries and consistencies. They, they are typically human children. They work best when they know exactly what they're allowed to do, not allowed to do, and when you're consistent with them. Pick your battles. Like, in fairness, God has to pick his battles with us. If he was on us every time we failed, we, like, we would just never get out of bed. Pick your battles. Remind yourself daily, it is incredible to be entrusted by God with the life of another human being. Like, it's ridiculous 
to be given care over something so amazingly precious. Uh, it's a job of extreme highs and extreme lows, so you need to make sure that Jesus is your rock. Because like, I have never felt as all over the place as I feel being a mummy. I have to be able to cling hard onto something that does not move. That cannot be your husband, your best friend. Your, that has to be Jesus. Uh, you will find out more about yourself than you ever wish to know being a mummy. Uh, I have found out things about myself that I quite frankly think are horrifying um, and it causes you to work on things that you never even knew existed and then lastly for me it is the most godlike thing you will ever do taking care of a child um, it, like, it, it's, just, it's just amazing and I get to know God in ways that I never knew him before so I don't get to soak anymore on a Sunday and have major power encounters with God while my kids climb the walls I get to be looking out for them but I get to know God in ways that I have never known him before and he gets to know me in ways that he has never known me before I, I would say we are deeper in our relationship than I've ever been with God and yet my Sunday encounter is probably the lamest it's ever been but I would say we know each other much better okay work out with your partner before God what you believe what your values are what you hold fast to um, for your what you want for your kids and hold on to these um, make sure you don't swerve from those but be flexible with everything else. Before I had kids, I was going to be the most amazing parent. My kids were never going to eat sweets. They were never going to watch TV. They were never going to um, change my life. They were going to fit around me and my routine. Um, I was amazing as a parent before I had Delta. Then I had Delta, um, and it changed. So be flexible in everything else. The other stuff doesn't matter as much. Um, this is one that I think is really important. Speak good stuff over your kids. That doesn't mean wait till they're asleep and go and do nice little chants of all lovely things over them. I mean, watch the way you talk to them. Uh, there's such power in words. There really is. And we just need to speak good things to our kids. We need to build them up. We need to encourage them. We need to tell them we love them. I just think too many boys have been raised being told that they're stupid or they're useless. And they've grown up to be bad dads and bad husbands without the grace of God uh, until God's broken into their lives because... They're just living up to the lack of expectations that have been spoken over them. Tell your daughters they're beautiful. Tell them all the time, especially dads. There's a really special bond between a dad and a daughter. Dads, tell your daughters that they are beautiful. You would much rather she came to you for a hug when she's four than to some dirty, spotty teenage boy when she's 14. So do it now. Put that groundwork in. Seriously, it's really, really important. Tell your kids you love them all the time. Rob Parsons says, it might be in that book, I'm not sure, um, saying, I love you should be done sparingly, like breathing. Okay, it's vital. It's really vital you tell your kids you love them. I know for some people that's really easy. I was raised being told I was loved by my parents all the time. I don't have a problem saying it to my kids. Some people have been raised never hearing that from their parents, and they struggle, and they find it harder to say it to their kids. I would say, if that's you, practice it. It will get easier over time, but it's essential your kids know you love them. Not just from the cuddles and the presents and the things you do with them, but from you saying, I love you. There's power in words. Speak good stuff. Kids are sponges. Tell them about Jesus. They soak up everything. Good and bad, they remember pretty much everything you say. So, And they will use it. Um, tell them about Jesus. You've got This is the most amazing opportunity to evangelize that you'll ever have. You've got someone who's with you. 24 hours a day basically and they listen to what you say and so they will learn about Jesus primarily from you tell them about him 
don't raise your kids to simply be good Christian children. Um, and we do this because this is what we do. But raise them to know Jesus. Okay? When we know him, we'll want to be like him. If we're just given a list of abstract rules, we'll run away. Uh, you see it time and time again when people are raised with um, just sets of rules and no grace and no love and no understanding of who Jesus actually is. They hit teenagehood, they rebel, they don't want to know. Um, we don't have to have that for our kids. We can have better stuff. Teach them to know Jesus. We don't want kids who are outwardly compliant. We want kids who inwardly love Jesus. Discipline. <laughs> I don't mean get a rod and beat your children every day. That's not what I'm talking about. But Psalm 94 does say, Blessed are those who God disciplines, and it's vital. Raising your kids with love and grace doesn't mean letting them get away with murder. It doesn't mean saying, Oh, well, they're, they're covered by the grace of God, and I love them so much, I don't want to sort of stifle them. You're not stifling them, you're giving them boundaries within which they will flourish. Kids need it. We all need it. Everybody needs boundaries. They need to know that they are loved, and love is discipline. This means showing them the way, teaching them how to behave, how to live within boundaries that are best for them. We follow God's model. God disciplines us, God gives us boundaries. He doesn't give us rules because He likes to tell us what to do, He gives us rules because He knows what's best for us and how we're going to thrive and when we live within them we do you can see people flourish so will our kids we need to teach them that actions have consequences our kids need to know this in order to go out into the world and live as a citizen who is a benefit to society <laughs> um it's vital. We're not stifling the character. We're not crushing the creativity. We're teaching them how to live and we're giving them boundaries in which they can flourish. Our duty is to raise our kids to go in the world and to be good citizens. Um, if you heard Ben and Charlotte's talk a couple of weeks ago, they talked about that example with Alexander the Great and the guy who was also called Alexander who was really, really scruffy and basically didn't reflect Alexander the Great very well. And they said, we are made in the image of Christ. We are. So we need to teach our kids and we need to raise our kids to do this, to reflect Jesus well. Um, nearly done, promise. Mel's already said this. Our kids are on loan to us from God, and I really believe they are. He has given them to us to look after, and we have a responsibility to raise them. Um, as we've already said, schools are great for our kids. Um, nurseries can be great for our kids, but they are never, ever going to take the place of the primary parent. Okay? Um, they are great in terms of adding to our child's experiences, but as Mel said, you pick and choose what is best for your family, and you are always the primary parent. No one is responsible for my children but me and Matt. That that is our job, and we are responsible before God to raise them. And last of all, have fun with your kids. They are amazing. They are so much fun. And seriously, I think we could have filled a massive book with the stuff Delta says that just makes us laugh all the time, and the cute things that Blue does. They're awesome. I absolutely love our kids. Often in society, kids are, are seen to be a bit of a burden. If we believe our kids are a burden and we see them as a burden, we will raise them as a burden. If we see them as a blessing, we will raise them to be a blessing. Kids are awesome. Have fun. Last one, Dan. Oh, Phil, right at the back. Pressing the buttons, making it all work. Got the longest way to come. What on earth do you do all day? Is it all coffee shops and toddler groups? Yes. Okay, we'll whiz you through the list of what we do. So, uh, we get outdoors every day. We get out in creation. Uh, you partly have to with little boys because they are like puppies. Uh, my sister-in-law said, if you do not exercise, little boys, they will trash your house. 
and that is true. So we get outside, we get outdoors, we tell stories. Uh, a love for books, I want to say this, look my husband looking through with Asha grinning at me. Hi. A love for books is best instilled when they're young for many reasons. One of them being, as they get older and have a relationship with Jesus, the main way for them to get that relationship with Jesus is through a book. You teach them to love books, they're going to end up loving the Bible and loving and encountering Jesus better. So we tell loads of stories. We make loads of stuff out of junk that we collect. We go on adventures probably once a day. I say to Levi and Ash, let's go on an adventure. And we might feed the ducks, go on a bus. We, we do things that they would consider fun. We play together lots. We watch movies and eat popcorn. Uh, that is something I wanted to instill in our kids. It's on our family page. I wanted to be able to have a kid who could watch a movie and eat popcorn to be with me as I watch a movie and eat popcorn. We see friends and family. Hi, boy. We see friends and family. We read the Bible and we pray together. Uh, we splash in the bath. Bath times in our house are a riot. This is Anna Coltup's fault, but they are a riot, bath times in our house. They are the wettest things you've ever seen and usually result in at least three lots of time out during one bath time. So they're a riot. We dance together. Even this morning, Levi put on his little piano and said, Mummy, you dance. We dance together. Uh, we make dens and obstacle courses. We do ordinary things that are so special to kids. So we go on trains, buses, ducks. We visit the bakery. Levi loves to do the Tesco online shop with me. He, like, picks things. He's like, I want those, mummy, and those, mummy. Fortunately, it's things like strawberries, melons. I want that. Great fun. I used to be a teacher, look for the learning opportunities and stuff. This doesn't mean sit them down and do times tables with them every morning. But like we said, get out there, get in the park, teach them about the way the leaves fall down in autumn, teach them about um, the different kinds of transport you see on the road. And this just means chatting to them and showing them things. It's so much fun to be able to do it. Um, we, I also try and teach them a little bit about what life is like in terms of how to make the housework. So we have our morning jobs where Delta goes and makes her bed and then we put the washing on, all that kind of stuff. Very dull, but, you know, teaches them how to live later on. Um, the park is amazing. We are so, so blessed to live in Sutton. That park is seriously fantastic. And like Mel said, we get out there as much as we possibly can. We go to the market, all kinds of things like that. And last of all, just really, really make the most of every opportunity. As we've said before a thousand times, it goes ridiculously fast. And it is so much fun having your kids at home, especially when they're tiny. They're not going to be with you for ages. We had Delta go to her first school disco on Friday, which was painful to let her go. But they grow up really quick. So make the most of it. It is such such fun there you are we landed the plane would you like to stand I would love us to just pray as we finish and enter into worship I'd love us to just do something simple and pray for our kids and pray for our parents in real life church so I'd love us just to lift our voices and pray for God to bless our kids and bless them in terms of growing up and learning and, and understanding God. But I'd also love us to just pray for the parents in the room to just say, God, would you just bless them? And if you are desiring to be a mummy or a daddy, just quietly before God, say to God, help me. If you are someone who thinks, I have a special heart for young families and I love getting alongside them and serving them and helping them, just pray for yourself. Is that all right? So I'm just going to ask you to open out your hands, pray for our kids, pray for the parents here, pray for yourselves.
do whatever you like really but I'll just pray over the top so yeah Jesus you can do it out loud if you want I've heard that God hears your prayers if they're louder I don't know <laughs> Lord Jesus we just thank you for our children we thank you for the blessing that they are to us we thank you for their noise their vitality, their creativity. We thank you that they test us, change us, challenge us. We praise you for entrusting us with so many of them. We thank you for all the parents in this room. I ask you, Lord Jesus, just to be on our parents in this room, just to be on them as they parent their kids. He's fine. I pray for all the kids that are represented by families here. And I pray for all the kids that have not come into being yet. There'll be many more in real life church, won't there? Many more children. And there'll be many more lives that are utterly transformed. And we pray for them. We thank you for them, God. We pray for salvation stories from our kids. We pray for some of the young mummies to come to know Jesus that are our friends. <laughs> we just love you, Jesus, and honour you. I, I want to thank you lastly, Jesus, that, that you brought us into a family where we are children of God. Uh, as I was prepping this, I just thought it's incredible that you love us as your kids. Amazing, beautiful gospel that brings us into right relationship with our Father in heaven. We just love that. So we just honour you, Jesus. We honour you, Father. Amen.